great to be involved. This morning concludes our series looking at our steps, steps to what God wants before we uh, launch into something altogether different uh, beginning on Tuesday evening and then next Sunday and I'll say a little bit more about that uh, towards the end of our service. The church, uh, surprisingly enough, is not about the minister, praise the Lord I hear you say, or, or even just about a few people doing their thing. The church is about everybody playing their part. It's about everyone discovering the ministry that God has given to them. What do we mean by ministry? Ministry is simply doing your bit, playing your part. And all of us as Christians, the Bible tells us, have a role, a part to play. Now, I'm very aware that there is the danger, as soon as we start uh, talking like this, that people say, here they go again, the church asking me to do something. It's take, take, take. Or he's playing the guilt card yet again. I hope you don't say that. What a cheek suggesting that they want me to do something. Well, let's uh, get all the cards on the table this morning. I've got no interest or desire in making you feel guilty or bad or awkward. Uh, That motivates absolutely nobody. But what I would like to do this morning is to paint a picture for all of us as to why it should be really great to be involved. Why should it be really great to be involved? A place where we play our part. You see, often we think about involvement in church life as being... uh, You never know what's coming next, do you? Life's full of those little surprises. Sometimes, when we think about our involvement in church life, we don't readily use the word, hey, it's great to be involved. Often, we can think of our involvement in church life as a burden on us, rather than a blessing to us. If we get it right, if we get it right, Ministry should be an invitation to do something that is a blessing even to you, rather than an obligation for you to carry another burden. In fact, Jesus said, well, if you come to me because my burden is light. So how wrong it must be if Jesus says, come to me and get a light burden, if the church whacks on a really great heavy one instead. But ministry can feel like an obligation to carry a burden. If you help at the youth club, you will have to be down there every single week. If you become a Sunday school teacher, you will have to do it until the day that you die. And we, we've all been uh, commending people who have, have been uh, uh, Sunday school teachers or whatever for, you know, uh, 700 years. If you become a small group leader, it will be Give, 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 give. You'll never get fed. If you do such and such, it'll be one hassle after another. And the image can be of ministry as a never-ending, rather thankless task with little reward that never ends with few encouragements. We do it because we feel obliged, obligated to carry the burden because the institution demands it. Or hopefully we can rise above that and say, well, if, even if the institution of church doesn't demand it, my God deserves it and therefore I'll do it anyway. But we do it with a heavy heart, a burden, not a blessing. 
I want to suggest this morning that the picture of ministry in church should be the other way around. Ministry should be far more an invitation for you to do something that really blesses you, not to mention the blessing it will be to others, rather than to carry this burden. It's the picture of ministry that I believe comes to us out of the Scriptures, and we'll look at a number of verses as we go along this morning. Ministry then, a blessing, not a burden. Why? Because it's more pleasure than pressure. Or at least it should be. Let me explain. The Bible seems clear to me, in fact the passage that uh, Anne-Marie read and this, uh, these verses here from 1 Corinthians, talk about each of us having different kinds of gifts. Or as we talk about it in another place, we have a different shape. And God has gifted each of us in different ways. Now, logically, reason would stand that if God made you with certain strengths, he would like you to use those strengths for his purpose. It would be a strange logic to think that God gave me a particular strength, but then wanted me to minister in a way that wasn't in conformity to the gift, the strength he's given me. Theologically, of course it's true, because we read that the Bible, in the Bible, that God gives each of us different gifts, which he calls us, asks us to use in service of him. The gifts, strengths, and talents within us are therefore directly related to the kind of things God wants us to do. To work to our strengths is a biblical injunction. The body analogy that we know so well about one of us being a hand and the other a foot and so on. Imagine if your foot tried to behave like an eye, or your eye tried to behave like your liver, or your liver tried to behave like your heart. So the parts work to their strength as they were designed to do. Now, we're all different, aren't we? Some people love to run. And when they run and they beat their personal best, uh, they get a real buzz. They're really excited about what they have chosen, what they have achieved. Others love to run a bath, for example, and see nothing remotely attractive about running and sweating and all that kind of stuff. In fact, it's quite incongruous that anyone should choose to drip with sweat in such a manner. Some people love to work with numbers, to sit down with a pile of figures, make sense of them, order them into presentable accounts, give some, uh, give some people, well, maybe the odd one here and there, a great sense of satisfaction. Some people love to cook and take great pleasure in uh, producing a tasty, well-presented meal. Others just love to eat. You got the idea. Some people love being around others and get great energy from meeting new people. Others of us find it quite stressful meeting new people and would prefer to uh, revive our inner world by spending time on our own. Some people take great pleasure from creating something of beauty. Others of us haven't got a creative bone in our body. Some people are natural organisers and can't understand why the rest of us are so messy and so we could go on. We're all different. God wants to use us in accordance with the way he has gifted us. And it stands to reason that when God uses us to our strengths, we will get most pleasure. We all remember at school, maybe this was you at school, in a maths lesson, uh, someone really struggling, hardly interested, their whole demeanour dour, maybe even being quite disruptive. But put that same pupil in the woodwork room 
And suddenly he or she became alive, attentive, passionate, committed. And the boy who could not add up more than the five forefingers and one thumb on his hand created a stunning piece of woodcraft. It brought him alive. Why? Because he was made that way. He wasn't made to mess around with numbers. He was made to do things with his hands. Different things bring us alive. And it's my belief that God wants each of us to discover those things that bring us alive because he's made us that way and for us to use those things in and for his purpose. Different, but bringing each of us pleasure. That's why I say it's more about pleasure than pressure because it's finding what we were made for. Eric Liddell, the famous Scottish uh, runner, coined the great phrase, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Why? Because that's who he was. Eric Liddell was a runner, gifted to run, loved to run, made to run. Sprinting along the sand dunes at full speed was for him a great thrill. I was born for this, made for it. This makes me alive. There's great pleasure in doing what you were made for. The job that God wants you to do is something that he's made you for. Something that fires you. Something that gives you a buzz. Something in and during which you say, this is me. This is what I'm about. It's part of who I am. You see, if you put me on the flower rotor, a few things would happen. (laughs) It's not that funny. It would take me ten times longer than the rest of the team. And it would still look like a dog's dinner. I would be frustrated. The flower arranging would be anything but fruitful. God calls us according to our gifts, our talents and our abilities. Ministry is more pleasure than pressure, a blessing, not a burden. But more than that, ministry is a blessing, not a burden, because everyone has gifts. Everyone has gifts. Remember the school playground? For some of us, the school playground makes us come instantly into a cold sweat on the back of our necks. When soccer teams or netball teams or whatever you played were picked, what happened? If the most talented soccer or netball players were not the captains, they were the people to be first chosen, weren't they? And you just prayed that you wouldn't be the last person to be picked for the team. And you can picture it now, the eager beginning of team selection. Yes, I really want him or I really want her. And it's great enthusiasm. And then it slowly winds its way down to the remaining motley crew of overweight, short-sighted kids for whom foot and eye coordination is something of an abiding mystery. You can have them. And then the game is played. And it's dominated by the one or the two or the few, while the others kind of hang around at the edge, get a kick if they're lucky, or more likely a ball in their face. Hardly a team game, but that's what we called it. Thank heavens that church is not like that, don't you say? Church is not like that. The Bible is very clear, church is not like that. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has their place in the team. It's truly a team game. Trouble is, some of us don't feel like we've got a gift. Some of us don't feel like we've got a part to play. And experiences like the playground have knocked our confidence and we begin to believe sometimes what others have unhelpfully said or implied about us. I'm no use. I haven't got anything to offer. Look, nobody wants me. I'm last to be picked again. And sometimes that lie lies at the root of our being. And it's a lie 
that we, the people of God, must expose in one another. The Bible says every one of us has gifts. And we need to help one another to discover those things that God has placed within us that we might flourish together. And that's one of the greatest challenges of the ministry course. And if you've been on the ministry course, you will know that sometimes during that course it's quite hard because you're looking at all these gifts and you're thinking, which one is mine? I'm not sure where I fit. But it's a real pleasure and a privilege to help one another see where they fit. So ministry is a blessing, not a burden, because everyone has gifts. And it's a blessing, not a burden, because there's enough time for it. (laughs) Enough time for it. Sometimes people talk as if the church is demanding all of their time. If you've got no time for your spouse or your children or your family or your neighbours, or even yourself for that matter, because you're always doing something at church, then I think we've got it all upside down. If God is calling us to a task, I don't believe for one minute that God has not thought about the timetable for that task. He knows the time you need for all the responsibilities in your life. He knows the responsibilities that you have at home, at work, in the community, and affirms you in those things. There's enough time for me to do everything God wants me to do. Which probably means that I'm trying to do some things God doesn't want me to do. And maybe you are too. You see, we live with this hyper-stress. I live with this hyper-stress of trying to do everything. But the Bible tells me there's a time for everything that's on my card from heaven. It's a challenge, isn't it? The time for everything. And when we say, I've got no time for that, let's make absolutely sure that the things that are taking that time are the things from heaven. There's no takeover bids in the church. The ministry course is not an attempt to see how we can squeeze a little bit more out of you. Tempting, but it's not. There's only one person seeking to take over your life, and his name is... Excuse me, I thought we were in a church... There's only one person seeking to take over your life and his name is? Right, good. And if it's all about Jesus, then he knows, doesn't he, that there are 24 hours in a day, there are seven days in a week, and he knows what he's asking you to do. And you can say as much as you like, Simon, you can't talk. I know I can't talk. I don't say the things from here because I've got them all sorted. I just say the things that I believe are true from God's Word. And we together need to work them out. There's enough time. There's enough time. And when people say uh, in the membership class, in fact, they don't say it anymore because we include it in the, in the course, people say, well, what, is a, what does a healthy member look like? What are, you, what are you looking for? Do you know, do people have to come to church twice on a Sunday, uh, uh, three times during the week uh, uh, in order to make the grade? What's the kind of... And we say this, it's BST, not British summertime, but a commitment to the big, commitment to Sundays, the worship, the celebration of God's people. Then it's the small... Commitment to a small group where you can build meaningful friendships and relationships. And then thirdly, it's T, using your talent. Using whatever God has given you in the way that is most appropriate. And that will vary depending on your stage of life. It will be different if you're at the beginnings of a career than if you're in early retirement. It might be different if you're raising young children than when, they've, uh, when they're a little bit older. But there's time. God knows and understands these things. 
There's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun, which uh, leads us to the next point, which uh, will be a great relief to some of you. Ministry is a blessing, not a burden, because it doesn't go on forever. Because it doesn't go on forever. Ministries start and they finish. And we will do really well as a church if we give ministries a good start and a good end. Churches aren't traditionally very good at giving ministries a good end because we feel kind of guilty and perhaps we're failing in some way and so we sometimes hang on with things that we should have given a good end. But John the Baptist is a supreme example and I uh, come tonight to hear all about John the Baptist as Heather uh, takes us through uh, some of the things that we can learn from from his life. So I'm not going to steal her thunder. But John the Baptist, quite simply, when Jesus came on the scene, John the Baptist said, hey, it's all about Jesus. And some of his disciples left John and went and followed Jesus. I'm amazed by that. What a humble guy. It's all about Jesus. And John said, hey, my, 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 my ministry's over here because it's all about him. And we need to be good at letting things go. And the fact that Sunday afternoon, Sunday school has finished certainly doesn't mean that Sunday afternoon, Sunday school was never a good idea. There'll be many of us here that will testify what a brilliant idea it was because it built us up in the Christian faith. But today we're in a different context, a different society. Sundays work differently in our culture. And so something came to an end. We need to stop things as well as start things that we might do the best we can in helping people come to know Jesus and grow in him. And there's usually great resistance, isn't there, to stopping things for all those insecurities that I mentioned some moments ago. But it's a strength to set something down as well as it's a strength to pick something up. Your ministry is not a life sentence. There are seasons in our lives. Ministry a blessing, not a burden, because we look to pass it on. Developing people to take on what we have been doing should be a high priority. And we're not very good at that as a church. I'll take responsibility for that. Buck stops with me in human terms. We're not very good at that yet. That's something we've really got to grapple with. I talked about mentoring a few, well, I don't know when it was, a few sermons ago, some time ago. And we need to really work at this. Raising up people, sharing with people what we have come to know and experience. And so Jethro, as this verse uh, reminds us, mentored Moses and, uh, and enabled him to carry on where he finished. And so there's a long list of people in the Bible that passed on the baton to others. It's a whole subject in itself. But we need to pass it on. And that takes a heck of a lot of humility, doesn't it? To let somebody else come and walk in your shoes. But if it's his ministry and not ours, then maybe we can let someone else step in those shoes. Because actually the shoes that sometimes we think are ours actually belong to him. A ministry is a blessing because there are no failures. We must create a culture here where there are no failures. This is really important for us. And what I mean by that is that you can try something because you're trying to discover the kind of gifts that God has given you. You're trying to discover where you need to fit in this whole plan of of helping uh, God's kingdom grow in this place. So you can have a go at something and if it doesn't work out, hey, who cares? It didn't work out. Let's try something else. 
The trouble is, if we have a go at something and it doesn't work out, we feel a terrible failure. And if we, the body of Christ, aren't very careful, we make them feel a bit of a failure and they'll never try anything ever again, will they? And neither would you. And so we need to create this culture where there are no wrong people, only right people that were having a go in the end at the wrong thing. We need to create a culture where in new ventures, uh, they're just experiments that in the end didn't quite work out. People discover their part by getting involved. And we must get better all of the time at helping people to have a go, see where they fit. If it doesn't work out, no worries. Let's move on. Let's try something different. But the principle uh, uh, must remain that it's not a failure. And certainly the person is not a failure. The danger is in church life, though, is that because we want it to work out, we feel bad if we tried something and it didn't work out. And we feel like we've let everybody down. I think there's a danger you might feel like that. We, we mustn't. We mustn't feel like that. We must help each other not to feel like that. You see, we actually let people down if we stay in a ministry that we know is wrong for us. We let people down because if you're doing what you know you shouldn't be doing, then the person who should be doing it can't do it because you're doing it. And if you're doing it, even though you know it's wrong, then there must be another ministry that you should be doing that you're not doing because you're doing the one that you shouldn't be. So at least two people are really frustrated and not very fruitful. So it's a strength to try, and it's a real strength of character to say that wasn't for me. And we need more times like that in this church, where there isn't some great suspicion, some great, ooh, what went terribly wrong there? It just wasn't. Just wasn't for me. We're feeling our way in the spirit. It just wasn't for me. So ministry is a blessing, not a burden, because nothing is a failure. And unequivocally, and certainly no person is a failure. We try with confidence, with the support of one another. Seventhly, coming to the end, ministry is a blessing because it is done in teams. We are part of a team. That's how Jesus modeled ministry. He sent them out in teams. He said, go together, support, encourage, pray, befriend one another, lift one another up. Don't go it alone. Do it together. And so we've created lots of teams in our church. Junior church team, a lunch club team, a prison team, probably development team, probably maintenance team, stewarding team, Tilly Wings team, toy library team, welcome team, worship team, youth team, the eternity team, and many other teams. We don't want people working on their own. And if you think, hey, I'm working by myself and I'm feeling all on my own, please would you see me very soon about that. We don't want people to be working in isolation. Functioning in teams is very important. We need one another to keep us going. We need one another to lift us up. We need one another to encourage us. So ministry is a blessing and not a burden because we do it in teams. And when one's feeling weak, the other can be strong and the next time round it'll be the other way. And then this is the best one, really. Ministry, a blessing, not a burden, because you don't have to feel guilty about everything else. You see, if you're doing what you know God's asking you to do, then everything else that people ask you, even when I ask you, just go, no. How liberating would that be? No. No. But sometimes we waver. And we waver because, well, we really want to help and we really want to see the church flourish. And also we waver because we're not really sure we're really doing exactly what God's asking us to do. 
If you're doing ABC that God has called you to, then do not worry about X, Y, and Z. Pray for X, Y, and Z, but it's not your responsibility. And that's what this woman discovered who anointed the oil with Jesus. Why was she commended? She was commended because she did what she could. She wasn't commended because she worried about what she couldn't do. She wasn't commended because she tried to do what she shouldn't have done and couldn't do. She was simply commended because she did what she could. And that's it. That's the bottom line in ministry. The joy, the privilege, the honour of doing for Jesus what you can. None of these unrealistic expectations, none of this guilt when anybody asks, says there's a need for some help in the church. Just the blessing, the privilege, the honour of doing for Jesus what we can. Now, of course, there's sacrifice. Of course, there are times when it's hard, maybe long periods of time when it's hard. But underlying it all is the pleasure of doing what you were made to do, what you are good at, what fires you. And so because you are good at it and it fires you, you enjoy the fruitfulness of it rather than the frustration of it. And you're using gifts that you know God has given you in the time that you know God allows. And you know that you're not stuck with it forever because every ministry has a season. And you know there are no failures, so you'll have a go even if you're not quite sure this is the one for you. And knowing all of those things, you don't have to feel guilty about all the other stuff that you just can't do. But God has shaped somebody else to do those things. So we can trust him with them. You see, if you're doing what you shouldn't be doing, then you're stopping somebody else from doing that too. So what should you be doing? Do you know? Do you know the gifts, the personality, the temperament that you have? Has that given you the clues, the insight into the kind of ways God wants you to serve? That's what the ministry course is all about and we're coming to the end of one uh, two weeks to go uh, of helping us look at our shape because God has shaped me and you in a particular way to serve him. And so there it is, the culture we need to grow. Great to be involved, is it? Is it great to be involved? Maybe you're right involved at the moment and you don't feel that it's great. I want to work with you about that. Maybe you're sitting on the edge because you're not actually sure that if you did get involved it ever would be great. I want to encourage you to dip your toe in. It's better than you think. And there's an army of people who will love you and support you. Great to be involved, is it? Your ministry, a blessing, not a burden, a pleasure, not a pressure. Let's pray.